the scary shame and guilt and the layers behind it is some of what we'll be discussing today in episode 73 with Lisa Carpenter. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast, the preferred podcast by many women across the globe to help you take control of your finances. Join me, Jen Hempel, a motivational money coach and your host each week as I share with you practical, simple money insights and real life stories by women like you. Let's do it. Hello, hello there. I am so excited to have you here. Seriously, not only because I think today's guest is phenomenal, but she has had a great impact on my life. You see, I hired her recently because like everyone else, I personally have my own challenges that I deal with. And with working with her, I have grown and progressed over the past few months. So I had to share the magic that she has so you can hear that for yourself. Before we go into the interview, I want to remind you that we have our community over on Facebook that you can join. There is no cost to join. It's free. It's a lot of fun. You can connect with other like-minded women. So I encourage you to join us over there at jenhempill.com forward slash community. So let's talk about today's episodes. In today's episode, we're going to learn how her relationship with money has evolved and grown to a place where she doesn't cover up her eyes anymore. You familiar with that? And we're going to learn about the difference between shame and guilt and why it matters. And that's a big one right there. We're also going to learn why she reads something weekly around money and her tips on meal planning, her thoughts on organic foods, grass-fed beef, and so much more. So let me share with you a little bit about Lisa Carpenter. Lisa is a transformational life and nutrition coach who specializes in working with top performing female entrepreneurs who understand that high levels of success demand not just a business coach, but also an emotional wingman who can facilitate growth emotionally, physically, and spiritually. She works in partnership with business coaches to support the emotional transformations that go hand in hand with playing a bigger game in business and living a fulfilling life. Her work also includes a unique perspective on nutrition that is infused with real life insight and inspiration. Her ability to create lasting physical and emotional transformations through a variety of coaching programs, including her signature nutrition program, EAT, makes her a sought-after speaker and a respected coach and educator. So let's not delay. I am excited for you to meet Lisa Carpenter. Welcome, Lisa Carpenter, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I am happy to have you here. I am excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. We've really only connected a few months ago. And honestly, you've really become an integral part of my well-being because you're my coach. (laughs) I've heard you. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) You have. Uh, I know sometimes I'm like, I wonder if I'm making progress, but just thinking, yes, I have. But uh, I've hired you as like a nutritional coach, but you've become so much more than that. And I appreciate that because you have that life coach experience as well. So I feel like when we have our sessions, I feel like I can sit on my sofa and just (laughs) when you go to like a quote unquote counseling session, if you will, and just 
just chat and just whatever is on my mind, I can just tell you. So it's, it's wonderful. Well, that's good. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people, I've got two kinds of sides to my work. I do my life coaching with, you know, usually I'm working with entrepreneurs on that side. And then I've got the people that I work with on my nutrition, but regardless, we all have to eat Yes, <laughs> and we all have to take better care of ourselves. And whether it's, you know, we're, we're too busy, we're doing all the time, or whether it's, we're struggling with food, it still strips down to the same thing that that deeper connection with ourself and understand what's going on for us emotionally, instead of trying to numb it out with our work, or getting more education, or sho- shoving food in our mouth. So Absolutely. And I know I've learned so much with you that which is why I wanted to share with you with my audience, because I know it will allow them not just to grow in the food area and the nutrition area, but that really translates to being better with your money as well, especially when you go uh, shopping or maybe you eat out less, those type of things. So first, I wanted to dive into more of your money story and explore that side of you. And then I wanted to talk about food. You ready to dive in? I am ready. Perfect. So tell me, Lisa, I want to know, how did you grow up around money? Oh, money. (laughs) I always laugh about money because it was about a year and a half, two years ago that I had this big aha moment that I am teaching what I'm also here to learn. So although I've never really wrestled with my relationship with food so much, money, on the other hand, and my credit cards, oh my goodness, those are like my wingmen. So growing up around money, it was just something that we didn't talk about. Uh, If I talked or I asked about how much somebody made or how much something cost, I was really quickly kind of shut down, like it was rude to ask about it. So, and of course, you know, all of our parents come from different generations and they bring forward their money stories. But what I really picked up was that money was kind of this dirty, shameful thing. So we probably shouldn't talk about it. And I shouldn't, you know, we just, we just didn't discuss it. So that was kind of my relationship with money. It was kind of like sex. You don't talk about it. It just kind of is here. So I made a lot of assumptions about my parents' uh, wealth or lack of wealth, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes I thought they had tons. And then other times I was like, how come we don't have any? There were times when I wanted them to buy things for me and they didn't. And that impacted me as well. Because through my childhood lens, I picked up the story that I wasn't worth it. Whereas now being a parent and having kids, they're constantly demanding on our wallets, you know, right. they need new seats, they need new clothes, they need new books, they need, you know, they're going out with a friend. And I realize now looking back that it's not my, my parents didn't want to buy me things. It's that they were trying to make their dollar go as far as they could, right. you know, raising me and my brother. So yeah. Makes sense. So they didn't have really any money conversations with you, you said, but is there something, so you mentioned that there, what you have observed was that they were just trying to make that dollar stretch. Is there anything else from just observing that you learned from them growing up? No, no, uh, not, not around my money. You know, money is funny because I've also attached it to numbers. So in school, I really struggled with math and numbers. So I kind of put that together. Well, if I'm struggling with math and numbers and money is all about numbers, then I'm obviously not good at money either. And that's been something I've really had to um, unravel and untangle for myself and say, wait a minute, I can do math. I can be capable of managing my money. I can be responsible about it. And I don't need to be afraid of the numbers, so to speak. Absolutely. Now, As far as I know, you wrestled with uh, numbers in school and that you attached that to not being good with money. But do you have presently, are you, what kind of challenges do you have around money? 
Oh, the things that I've had to sink into. So there was a time I laugh about it because I can talk so openly about it now. But the truth is, you know, two years ago, money was a huge trigger for me. And there was so much shame around it. And the thing is, when we're locked down in shame, we can't talk about stuff, right? Like shame does not want to come out into the light. And the irony is, is the more we talk about the things we feel shameful about, the less hold they have on us, right? We can kind of neutralize them. So over the past couple of years, I've really gotten to this place where I'm very neutral about money, which, you know, the irony is, is that's really what I'm helping women do with food in their bodies is get to this place of neutrality. Like food is neither good or bad. It's just energy, the same as money. It's just energy coming in or out. So there was a period of time in my life where it was just kind of like I had my hands over my eyes and well, if I just don't look, everything will be okay. The bills always seem to get paid. You know, I always landed on my feet. I was like a cat with nine lives. My credit cards were my best friend. So I was very irresponsible with money because I really didn't know any better. I left home right after I graduated. Uh, you know, I was obviously working for whatever minimum wage was back then and trying to live on my own. So my credit cards were like, I always had money because I always had my credit card and I could just pay, <laughs> could just pay the minimum and, and keep going. So yeah, there was a time where I didn't even want to open my bills and it was like, okay, I'll pay this bill with that bill. So in terms of my own progress in getting to this place where I'm really quite neutral about money, I track everything now. So, you know, I ask my clients to food log because one of the first things we have to create in any type of relationship, whether it's with food, money, clutter, or, you know, husband, whatever it may be, we have to be conscious to what's going on. Like we have to stop pretending like what is happening right in front of us isn't happening. So I had to start tracking my money. And it started with just, okay, I'm just going to track what's coming in and I'm going to get used to that because it felt overwhelming to track what was coming in and going out. Now I can track all of it. You know, I've just recently hired a new bookkeeper and one of the things I've said to him is, I want to sit down with you every month and I really want to understand my books. Oh, good. This, That's great. Yeah, yeah, this has been something that's been really challenging for me and I've just kind of handed it over to somebody else and again, put my hands over my eyes and, you know, hopefully they do everything right and take care of everything. I don't want to be that person anymore. So, you know, as my evolution with my relationship with money grows, it's really about me becoming that person that I want to be. What is somebody who's responsible with money and can handle large sums of money and creates great wealth for themselves? How do they behave? I don't think they've got their hands over their eyes and their, you know, bills. I'm just not going to open it and pretend it'll go away. So that's kind of how my evolution has come about. So I still have lots of things that I want to do. I still have debt that I want to pay down. I'm much more, I don't want to say cautious, but I'm much more discerning about my spending and how mm -hmm. I invest in my business because my, my business can really be like the black hole because I can justify spending anything on my business. <laughs> Right? Yes, um, I, know we, but I, I know that feeling. Right, but I can't justify spending it on myself, right? Like I'll balk at spending, you know, $5 on a nail polish or something, yet I'll throw, you know, hundreds of dollars at a business course that I want to take. So there's still lots of work to be done, but I'm actually enjoying the process of, mm -hmm. of learning and stepping into this kind of new level of responsibility and this new kind of grown-up relationship where I get to feel capable and smart, right? All those things that I kind of kept at arm's length for myself, I get to feel those things now. And that is a really cool and empowering feeling. And it's, it brings such another level to my coaching when I am working within, you know, my nutrition program, because I am literally in the trenches with my clients. So everything that they're struggling with around their relationship with food and their body, 
I've been going through the same thing with money. So it mm-hmm. might look different, but it's the same. It's the it, same. It yep. really is the same. So uh, grateful for the struggle, I suppose, and happy to no longer feel like it's a struggle. There's yeah. a lot more peace to it. I love that that growth. And there was something that you mentioned that I wanted to touch base upon because you recently you launched a podcast with uh, two other co-hosts, mm-hmm. all the stuff. And you had an episode where you talked about shame and you differentiated it between shame and guilt. So I wanted it, you to talk about that perspective because it really oh, okay. struck a chord uh, in me as I shared with you. So please tell us about that. So this is based on Brene Brown's work. So, you know, I can't take credit for her work. And if you haven't checked her out, she's got some amazing books. I think my favorite is The Gift of Imperfections, but she also has Daring Greatly, Rising Strong. And I think there's another one there in the middle that I'm forgetting about. Uh, But she talks about guilt versus shame. And it's powerful because guilt can actually be healthy. So guilt is I did something bad and shame is I am bad. And it's the difference between our self-talk. So let's say I went out and bought a pair of shoes and they weren't in the budget. It would be like, oh, you know, I shouldn't have bought these shoes, but I love them. And, you know, I'm feeling kind of guilty about it. But you know what? It's not gonna, They're not going to kill me. They're not going to totally break the budget. Like that's guilt, right? Shame is I can't believe I bought those shoes. I don't have any willpower. Why can't I get my act together with money? I'm never going to get out of debt right? Like shame is very defeating. Mm -hmm. It's very like, it's like I talk about picking up the stick and beating yourself. So this is a lot of what I have my clients work on as well is paying attention to the language that you're using when you talk about the things that you're wrestling with, because what you think and how you feel about yourself creates your reality. So if you're constantly beating yourself up, you're never going to move forward. So Part of my responsibility around my money story and the women I work with around food and, you know, what we talk about in our podcast is about getting people to that place where they can understand that they've got a lot more power in their emotional well-being than the actual spending or the eating or the clutter. So I'm glad that it resonated with you. Like, I hope a lot of people really do, you know, because nobody wants to talk about shame. Like, who wants to talk about shame? No, and I think why, why I wanted to bring it up uh, and the difference in between the two is that sometimes we don't think through it and we think, oh, I feel guilty. But when actuality, when you when you look at the differences, you it's actually shame. And that mm-hmm. shame is not going to let you, in my opinion, move forward unless you just you do you know you work through it. But if you don't know that's what you're feeling, that shame, it's hard to move forward. But if you're realizing it, it's easier. What what I'm saying here is just sometimes I think we don't see what the difference in between the two. So I that's why that struck a chord. Uh, and I wanted to mention it here because with money, we feel the same thing. We feel their shame oh. or guilt. And sometimes we don't know which one we're feeling. So Absolutely. I, I wanted shame to bring that really, up. Shame is really a full body experience too. Like when you're in a place of shame, you really behave badly. So even through the lens of being a mom, right? When I thought that, you know, if I could just yell louder at my kids or if they just behave, then I would feel better. So then I'd yell at them and then I'd feel horrible. So then I'd yell some more because that's shame, right? Shame Mm -hmm. wants to, it washes over us. It comes out as bad behavior, right? Because we don't like those emotions of shame. So we do everything to kind of deflect them. 
shame is when you're standing, you know, your debit cards just got, got declined and you literally like have a full body experience. Like when you feel it in your body, that's shame. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, that doesn't really happen to me anymore, but you know, it has, and I'm just like, well, that sucks. <laughs> right. I guess I just to check my balance and see what's going on. So that's more feeling kind of like guilty or, hmm, you know, that's not sitting with me. I don't even think it was guilt, but there used to be immense amounts of shame. And I bet there's a lot of people listening that have been, you know, at the grocery store or whatever, like praying that there's enough money right. in their bank account right? And they're already kind of vibrating in that place of shame, beating, beating up on themselves and feeling really crappy. So it is very important to make the distinction because that's how you separate your emotions from money, food, clutter, whatever it may be, and just acknowledge what's in the room with you and that it's not really about the stuff. Absolutely. I love that. Well, thanks for sharing that. And let's talk about what is the best money you've spent? Oh, the best money I've spent hands down, and this is probably going to sound really odd, and I bet I'll get off the call and I'll think, oh, but what about that? (laughs) Um, I love spending money on travel and I don't do it enough. But hands down, the best investment I ever made was having laser surgery on my eyes. Okay. So so I know that sounds kind of odd, but to be able to get up in the morning and be able to see the world without having to, you know, put on my contacts or put on my glasses that still blows my mind. It took me over a year to stop putting my fingers in my eyes trying to take out my contacts. So, and that was, you know, that was a hard decision to make because it's kind of scary to have a laser go on your eyes, but sight, like crystal clear vision. Oh my gosh. So worth every penny. Oh, absolutely. I can imagine. I, I haven't, fortunately, I don't know why I don't need to haven't. I did wear glasses when I was little and even a patch on one eye, but for some reason, I'm I'm good at least for now. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, uh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, and I think the the other things would be the stuff for my personal development, mm-hmm. the, the things that I've had to invest in to help me find my way back to me and really become, you know, an amazing wife, coach, mom, human being on the planet. Right. Uh, those have all been, you know, monetary investments that I can't even put a value on what they brought to my life. So obviously, I'm a big proponent of getting coaching. So I also invest in coaching. Awesome. How about your favorite money book? My favorite money book. The first one that really kind of blew my mind was Kate Northrup's Money, A Love Story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I read it and I was like, wow, this is like my program, (laughs) but about money. And that was kind of the wake up call. Like, wow, Lisa, you're teaching this stuff. And you're not taking responsibility for your money. So it was kind of one of those, I have to take responsibility for my money or I'm going to feel like a fraud showing up and talking to people about how they can change their relationship with food. So uh, that was the first one. I really love Barbara Stanny as well. Mm -hmm. What was... She's got various books out. Wallace Wallace Waddles, is that his name? Waddle Wallace? I'll have to think of it. But um, there's another money book that I really enjoyed as well. So... I tend to read something uh, every week that has something to do with money. Oh, that's good. My yeah, that's my commitment of staying in the room. Like, if you want to change patterns, then you got to stay conscious. And I love to go unconscious about money, so I'm always reading something. So right now, it's Think and Grow, Think and Grow Rich, which blows my mind how long ago that book was written and how present and it is, how, how powerful it is. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, whoa, this is crazy. So yeah, that's a great book as well. And I'm curious, what led you? Because you're a nutrition coach and a life coach. So what Mm -hmm. led you to that path? Mm -hmm. So I started out my career as a personal fitness coach. 
And I quickly learned that without paying attention to what my clients were doing in the kitchen, not much changed. They got stronger, they got faster, you know, their cardiovascular fitness improved, all those kind of things. But really our nutrition is what changes our bodies. And most of the people that were coming to see me were wanting to lose weight and change their bodies. So that's kind of how I started down this path of I want to learn more about nutrition. And I'm very much a kinesthetic learner. So I thought, okay, well, to change somebody's body, I should learn how to change my own. So I started competing in in fitness and figure. And that's really when I stepped into this whole other level of learning. I had some really great coaches and I had some really crappy coaches that, oh my gosh, the stuff that I did to my body would like blow your mind. You learned Um, what to do and what not to do. (laughs) Exactly. So I took all that learning and thought, well, how can I incorporate this and bring in this choice and quality of food and letting go of calories in versus calories out, but helping clients understand that all calories do count. So they're not all created equally, but they do count and creating this freedom so people could choose without feeling like they were on or off, you know, the proverbial wagon. So that's kind of how nutrition came about for me. So for many years, I focused on growing my business, building my classes. I was Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Coaching in person. And then I went through a huge life transformation. Oh, it'll be five years ago this spring when my husband went into rehab and I kind of had to come face to face with my own crap and really, really take responsibility for how I was showing up in my life. So there was a lot of stripping down. It was very painful. It was very messy. You know, I'm happy to say he's been in recovery for, you know, he's still in recovery, but it transformed my life and it, it transformed how I show up for my clients. It transformed how I teach nutrition because of course now I have this whole new layer and understanding of the emotions attached to it, the power of addiction, and how we need to connect with ourselves, you know, as women and as men. So that expanded my coaching. And the truth is, when I moved my EAT program online, which stands for Education Action Transformation, everything my clients need to learn about nutrition is housed in that program. So they can go through it. And I don't really have to teach it anymore, because all the information is there, which meant when I was showing up for my live calls with my clients, I really got to dig into the stuff that was so much more important. And then it just kind of expanded from there because now I found that entrepreneurs were getting drawn to me who wanted to know how I slowed my life down, how I let go of busy as a badge of honor, how I let go of my perfectionism, how I became so visible, how I learned how to curb the hustle, so -hmm. to speak. So it's just been kind of this beautiful, natural progression and I love it. So every fall and every spring I'll teach eat live. So anybody who's in that classroom, I come on and teach for, you know, six weeks live. And then in between those live sessions running, anybody can join the program, but that's when I spend the majority of my time working one-to-one with my clients, whether it's in regards to, you know, their nutrition and sinking into why they've been struggling with it for so long. Or like I said, with the, you know, the busy, driven, high-performing, overachieving entrepreneurs. It's fun. Love it. I love that. Thanks for sharing. So I wanted to dive into some food questions because an area like in my world, a lot of people that I work with, most of their income goes to food, eating out. Uh, So if there's an area that needs trimming, and there's no pun intended there, it's really the area of eating out uh, a lot uh, or takeout, whatever it is. Uh, so, um, and it's just usually 
the common theme is there's a lack of time, right? And so mm-hmm. eating out just tends to be the natural progression. No time, you just eat out. And like you know, food and money are very emotional. So, what is your best tip to gain control of this? Well, I think it's first taking an honest inventory, right? When somebody says to me they don't have time, what I hear is they're not making themselves a priority. We get one body, like that's it. You get one. As far as we know, we get one stint on this earth in this, you know, in this particular body. So I like to think that everybody is driving a luxury car. So if you're driving like a six-figure car and it's covered in mud and you take it off-roading and you never take it to the shop, like here's this luxury automobile that you're treating like garbage. So I'm not opposed to eating out. I actually really enjoy eating out. But if you're eating out because you don't have time and your eating out choices are, you know, McDonald's drive through or Wendy's hamburger, I don't know if you guys have Wendy's in the States, mm-hmm. then it's a real reflection on your self-worth. Like, how are you treating yourself? And if you can't make time to take care of you, that's the deeper issue that needs to be dug into, right? So it's easy to say, well, it's about the food, it's about the eating out, but it's really not. It's about taking a step back and saying, well, what do you want for your health? And if you don't have time to take care of you, then what do you need to stop doing so that you can start carving out some time for you? And most of the women I work with, and I think this is true of the women that you work with as well, they're caretakers, they're overgivers, mm-hmm. they're yes men, right? So they don't have the time because they're constantly emptying their buckets to give to other people and to do for other people. And one of the big things that I teach is how do you start putting some of that stuff down and recognizing that it's just masking this disconnect from yourself and what you actually need. You know, self-care is not selfish. It's a non-negotiable way you nurture your self-worth. So that is the bigger thing that I would like people to look into. It's how can you take better care of yourself? Because whether you're busy or not, you have to eat. Right. And you ultimately get to choose. So even if you are eating out, so there's some days that I am super busy and I do want to eat out. I still have choice when I'm eating out to have a burger or to pick up a really great salad and some sushi or, you know, whatever it is that I'm craving. It's super easy to make healthy choices. It's just unless you're consciously making them right. It's like, um, you know, how many people could go through their closets and probably find like a ton of cash lying around the house because they've just like shoved it in their pocket. So, you know, side note here, when I first did this exercise of finding all my loose change and pulling it all together, I had enough to go buy a new Mac. Okay. So, oh my gosh, right. I know about, I know about being unconscious. So this is what I mean. Like people can walk into a restaurant and they'll just default to the fries and the the greasy burger. Right. Whereas I don't, default to that. I go to like, okay, well, what's kind of healthy on here? What can I add? What can I substitute? Like, I don't care if I have to ask for something on the side or can you omit this and can I have more vegetables? It doesn't phase me. So eating out is not a problem for me. It doesn't put weight on me. It doesn't make me feel unhealthy. I feel very empowered when I eat out, but for most people it's not. It's just the, oh, I guess I need to feed myself. So what can I shove in my face? And you would never treat your child like that, right? right? Like if your kid came home and said, I don't have time to eat. You wouldn't say, oh, well, that sucks for you, right? You, you would say, that's not okay. You need to eat. You've got to go to school. Your brain needs to be turned on. Uh, but as adults, we stop taking care of ourselves because we're so busy caretaking everybody else. So there's my little rant on that. Yeah, that is so good. 
And I know you've shared some really neat tips for meal planning. So what are some of your best tips to make a meal planning simple? Because I know you you know, pretty much pride yourself on making things easy and simple, which I love. Yes. So meal planning really comes in two phases. So, you know, when I'm first asking people to get conscious, it's like when I was getting conscious with money, right? I just tracked the money that was coming in because it, it felt good. It wasn't uncomfortable, right? I was watching the money go out. So when I first asked people to get conscious about their food, I just want them to write it down. Like, just pay attention. Like, that's all you have to do. Just start paying attention because the simple act of paying attention, you'll start making better choices. If you can pay attention to the voices of shame rising up, right? Because shame will say, well, you can't eat that or don't write it down or, you know, there'll be a whole bunch of emotion attached to it. In terms of food planning, like when they get to the next level, then it's like, okay, I want you to actually think about what you're going to eat for tomorrow and plan it out. Very similar to what you teach your clients around, have some kind of a budget, like have an idea of where your money needs to go. Right. It doesn't mean that you can't change your mind. It doesn't mean that you can't say, well, you know what? I don't want to go to the movies this week. I'd rather go buy a pair of shoes. Great. Awesome. Do that. The same is true for meal planning. But again, it's about keeping it super simple. So when it comes to meal planning for me, I just like to have stuff cooked and ready in the fridge. And when I say cooked and ready in the fridge, it's not like meals made. It's like there's hard boiled eggs. I've got chicken cooked up. I've got ground beef. I've got lots of vegetables cut up. You know, I've got a pot of brown rice or roasted vegetables, uh, pre-made salads. So I can literally go into my fridge and say, okay, well, today I'm going to have avocado and hard boiled eggs chopped up together with some salt and pepper on some rye crackers, right? It's not fancy but it doesn't need to be. So, you know, one of my coaches said, start with simple and pursue fancy later. Yeah. Start simple, pursue fancy later. So if you want to be treating your body better and you want to be taking better care of yourself, get out of this idea that you have to do it perfectly, that it's got to be all or nothing. And then it needs to be fancy. Like stop making food, this production and just eat healthy foods and keep it simple. And as you start feeling better, and as your body starts to change, you'll be much more inspired to say, okay, I'm bored of hard boiled eggs and avocado. What other options are there? Right. And and then you start kind of playing around. Well, you can mush up, you know, you could shred chicken and avocado, or make a sandwich if you wanted, or just add salt and pepper to it and throw it on top of a salad, right? You're only limited by your imagination when it comes to your food choices. And of course, you know, learning how to combine everything in portion sizes, uh, that's part of what I teach. But initially, it's just about getting people to understand that they've got to stop making eating healthy this big deal. And they have to just keep it simple, stay in the room, keep making progress and understand it's not, you know, whether you're in my program or in somebody else's program. Your relationship with food, you're going to have till the day you die, very similar to your money. So I personally believe that it's everybody's responsibility to make that relationship the best they can. So stop coming at your food thinking that, you know, well, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to be done, right? You're never going to be done. Even if you lose the weight, you're still not going to be done because you still have to have that ongoing relationship with food. So put the effort into figuring out how you're going to make it work with you and for you. I love that. That is powerful. Love it. And let's talk uh, about organic foods, grass-fed foods, all those super quote-unquote healthy foods that 
on the price tag seem to be more expensive. So what are your suggestions? Do you have any particular suggestions of what you should buy organic, what you shouldn't, what your thoughts about grass-fed, all that good stuff so that you're not breaking the bank, so to speak? Oh, you're going to love this. I'm on fire today. This is what happens (laughs) when I don't get any sleep. For those of you listening, I didn't get any sleep last night for whatever reason, full moon, mercury retrograde, whatever crazy stuff is going on. I think that we need to start being kinder to ourselves. So I'm a really big believer in starting where you're at. So if you're just starting to eat healthy, don't worry about if it's grass-fed beef. Just start to eat some beef or chicken or eggs, right? Start to strip out the processed food because we get so caught up in the organic and it's like, can you look at the pile of crap you're eating first? Because if you're eating grass-fed beef and you're chasing it with a bag of Doritos, you're still going to have a problem, right? Like there's kind of a disconnect (laughs) there, right? So we have to kind of look at that. It's like, why am I spending all this money on organic food and I'm still eating a McDonald's? So start where you're at and evolve. So obviously I've been at this for a lot of years. There's certain things that I do buy organic. So I love grass-fed beef and I'll tell you why I buy it because it tastes better. Mm-hmm, like I agree. flat out, it tastes better. So I can't eat the other beef because I think it tastes disgusting and I don't eat foods that I don't like. It's as simple as that. Do I think it's better for me? Yeah, probably. But at the end of the day, it's what I like in my mouth. It tastes good. So when most people are starting out eating healthy, they're not going to notice the difference in taste. And the truth is, even if they started eating, you know, chicken, eggs, beef, whatever your protein may be that isn't organic, your body is still going to be so much happier because you've upgraded. So I like to teach food in terms of incremental upgrades. Like you don't have to suddenly break the bank because you decide you're going to eat healthy. And I actually caution people from trying to do too much too soon because that's when we get into this overwhelm. You know, there's a book by uh, Chip and Dan Heath called Switch, How to Change When Change is Hard. It's a fantastic book. And they talk about the rider and the elephant. So the elephant is our emotional piece, right? And the rider is our intellect. So our intellect knows the things we should do, right? I should be eating healthy. I should be eating organic, blah, blah, blah. And that rider can steer that elephant for a while, but eventually the elephant is going to win, right? So when the overwhelm kicks in, when the resistance kicks in, when the resentment kicks in, right? Because now you're like, I have to buy all this stuff. I'm spending all this money. I'm throwing out my meals. I'm yelling at my kids because they don't like what I cooked. And it was like a $20 meal because it was all (laughs) organic, right? That's when we lose control and we start beating ourselves up. And that's what I mean. Like, We have to understand that we really are being ruled by our emotions. So I want people to start where they're at and do these simple upgrades and let themselves progress. And like I said, you've got your entire life to create a better and better and healthier and healthier relationship with food in your body. So you don't need to do it in 30 days or 90 days or 120 days. You just need to start. Agreed. I know I started this, even though I don't think I've ever, I can't say I've been completely unhealthy all my life or I've had a good balance, but in learning the things that I've learned about nutrition a few years back, I slowly just kind of brought in some other foods that I'd never like I'd switch to coconut oil or, the, you know, bought better quality eggs and grass fed beef. But it wasn't like an overnight thing. It was just kind of like you said, incrementally. And it's just something that we just, it's our normal now, right? Right, exactly. Uh, so uh, I agree. And that's that's another reason why I wanted to bring you in to share that part as well, because other there's programs out there, you know, transform in 30 days or, or do this, whatever, det- uh, sugar detox, all that stuff. 
But sometimes you do that and you just go back to your old ways. <laughs> well, and, so. and I would even argue that because I don't think we can go back. And I think that that belief of mm. I just went back to my old ways tends to keep us looped in this kind of defeatist, right? And, and shameful place. I really believe that every experience we learn from, like we You're truly, tr- truly learn from, right? So even with you coming into Eat Now and learning from me, you brought forward the information that you learned from other programs, right? That some is of it, true. Some of it didn't. And you're learning more from me now. And I guarantee you, you will still continue to learn and grow with food because as much as you know, the program gives you all these new ways of thinking about food and putting it together, you still have to continue to evolve and finesse it and learn more. And you know, maybe next week, you'll decide that you're not eating beef anymore because, you know, you want to be more ethical or more green, whatever you want to say. So I really want women to stop kind of looking at all their past experiences and labeling them as failures because they put the weight back on and they believe they're starting again, because the truth is you're not starting again. You're beginning from where you are at right now. And you know more today than you did yesterday. And you learned more you know what works, you know what doesn't work, and you know that you have to continue to grow and evolve. So there's love mine. that. I love that. And that's another thing I love it. You just tell it how it is. <laughs> love it. Love it. So Lisa, this has been fantastic. I am so happy that I brought you on. And as you know, this podcast is all about making money simple and taking control of it. So how would you finish this sentence? Her money matters because it's directly linked to her self worth. Oh, I love that. Thanks so much, Lisa, again. uh, And we will be in touch again soon. Thanks for having me on. It was great. Wasn't that magical? I told you she has a way of sharing what she knows of making it very simple of making it make you say, aha, of like, yes, that makes so much sense. Oh, I love that about her. So I wanted to talk and give you some things that I took away or that, that I wanted to share with you as far as the meal planning, because I know that something that comes up in meal planning is definitely a way to save. But before I do that, I wanted to share with you just a review that came in, a five-star review, and it comes to us from Joseph Hogue. I don't know if I pronounced your name right, Joseph, and notice it's Joseph. It's a male, so I had to share this uh, review. It's a five-star review, so it's exciting to read that other uh, males are listening. So he writes, it could be his money matters too because some great advice that transcends the sexes. Started listening to it recently and now my wife is hooked as well. So I want to thank you, Joseph, for listening. Of course, even though this is her money matters, his money matters, absolutely, that matters too. So I want to thank you for that review and for those kind words. Now, let's talk about how she views meal planning. And you notice that she's all about keeping it simple, which is how I am with money. And the other thing that I love that she says is it doesn't have to be a production. And here's why I'm bringing this up, because I am guilty of this. I love keeping things simple and I'm good with that in terms of the money. But when it comes to meal planning, I like to... I'm changing, I'm progressing in this area, but for for whatever reason, 
I do make it a production or I can make it a production. And that stalls me. And sometimes that just keeps me stuck and not want to do it because I want to just go all out, cook everything from scratch, do everything. But I don't have to do that. So the other part to keep in mind is just how that meal planning is a part of your own self-care. Yes, you're caring for your family, but at the same time, you're caring for yourself. Because if you eat well, you feel good, right? And if you feel good, you're at your very best for taking action, for being productive, to getting everything you want to get done, and for making those decisions, which will most definitely help you in the money area of your life. So keep that in mind. Obviously, if you go to like the grocery store on an empty stomach, you're bound to buy everything that you see that just is calling your name, right? But if you've already eaten well and you're eating good foods, you're going to go to the store and buy those things that you need. And also, even if you're at home, maybe you're at home and maybe there's some foods in the cabinet that you're trying to avoid and you eat those and you don't feel well. But if you choose the ones that will do your body good, you're going to feel better. You're going to, like I said, is you're going to be the best version of you. So think about those things when you do your meal planning. Yes, keep it simple. I love, love, absolutely love how she says that what's in her refrigerator are not meals. They're like the meals, the portions of the meal. So like the chicken that is separated, it's not like a whole cooked meal. So when she goes for that day, she has that ready and then she mixes it with what she wants and she, or she puts it together with what she wants, which I think is so, so amazing. I love, love that. So I wanted to make sure you don't forget that part. Uh, And I think this is one of those episodes that you, if, if it's struck a chord, if it really resonated with you. I think it's one that you can re-listen to and get something else out of it from what she says. I'm not talking about me because the guest on my show was Lisa and she had so many golden nuggets to share with you. So that is a wrap for today. Make sure that you connect with Lisa over at lisacarpenter.ca. Uh, or on her podcast that she co-hosts called All The Stuff. If you, for whatever reason, forget what the website is or what the podcast is called, remember, you can always go to the show notes, which you can find on the website. And for this week, it's jenhempill.com forward slash 73. There is a handy little search bar on the website that if for some reason you can't even remember what episode number it was, that you can search whether Lisa Carpenter or let's say you remember it was episode 73, you just write episode or you can just write 73, those type of things, and you can find whatever episode that you're looking for. So just I digressed on that, but I wanted to make sure that you knew that. So thanks again for joining me. Thanks, Lisa, for sharing all that you had to share. And again, Look for the show notes at jenhemphill.com forward slash 73, and we'll see you again or talk to you again next Thursday. Bye.